episode number 31 of The Final Call here on Radio Massasoit. As always, Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Memoritas, and the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Jason Snow. Welcome to a very uh, historic episode of The Final Call. Uh, we will have a final call first for you this episode, but before we get to that, guys, first day of NBA playoffs were yesterday. Give me a take. What, just Overall, just opening take about the NBA playoffs starting. There was a lot of young talent on display. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell's 57, um, teed the, the, um, the games off. Um, Tatum and Brown of the Celtics combined for 61. Embiid had a good stat line, 26 and 16 rebounds, but I'm sure we'll get to, um, get to more of that in a second. Jokic as well. Luka Doncic to you know, close off the nightcap. I thought it was a great, uh, great day of NBA basketball on hand. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Like you said, Jason, a lot of young talent on display, and I think the league is in very good hands. A lot of these players, the Jason Tatums, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, these are players that could be MVP candidates down the road. And I don't think that's very far-fetched at all. I think these players are that talented. I mean, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell's 57. I mean, Luka had 42. You know, Tatum had like 32 and 13. So, I mean, I was just impressed all around with all these teams and I mean these young guys they look ready as ever so I don't know what it was in the last you know five months since the NBA postponed its season but I forgot how bad the Celtics bench was they're awful they suck I completely forgot about this I mean yesterday in in that Sixers game they combined for eight total points in 55 minutes played yeah that's terrible and they they should there's no way you can get through a playoff series and having your bench only scoring eight points a game. That's awful. And the the sick the uh, the Jazz had a similar had a similar type of game. Luckily uh, for them, Donovan Mitchell put a 57, the third most ever in a in a uh, in a postseason game. But like, I forgot how bad the Celtics bench was. Oh my god. Yeah, and to kind of piggyback off that point, let me just let me just get this off my chest. Marcus Smart, what are we doing? I have a bone to pick with Marcus Smart. 32 minutes played, only two points. Yeah. What are we doing? No, that's terrible. You can't have that in a playoff series. I understand you know, like, he's the, you know, the best defense player on the Celtics, but like, come on, dude. You need to shoot. You need to learn how to shoot. Let's go. No, he needs to stop shooting. In my opinion, like the guy, he, he can't make a three. The guy can't hit threes. No, he Consistently, can't. anyways. He has the but, Celtics franchise record for threes in the game, though. Oh, Steve, that, that's the thing, with, that's the, that's <laughs> the thing with Marcus Smart. That's the thing that's with a one Marcus game Smart, thing. though. Sometimes when Marcus Smart is on, he'll hit like eight threes in the game, but then like the other like seventy five percent of the time, he's just bricking them. Like it's you know. And last night like was my, one of those nights. My biggest problem with him is that he 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 doesn't sense when he's bricking them. He doesn't know when to stop. You know what I mean? Right. If he's hot and he's hot, keep shooting. But if he's hot, if he's not hot and he's, you know, he'll still chuck him up there. He he'll chuck him up there like he's Reggie Miller, like he's or like he's Ray Allen. Yeah. So, no. So, but just for the Celtics, they're still good enough to get past the Sixers because as much as the bench sucks for the Celtics, the Sixers are that much more incompetent. So they should still kind of be able to walk past them just by the Sixers making dumb mistakes. But if they get into a series like with Toronto or Milwaukee, like I don't know, like this is what really concerns me about the Celtics. I completely forgot how bad their bench was. Offensively, they were they weren't great. Defensively, though, Marcus Smart held his own against Al Horford. 
Marcus Smart was there with pesky, timely uh, double teams there. Brad Watermaker, you could say the same thing. Ennis Cantor only played eight minutes, went scoreless. I, I don't expect that every game out of Ennis. Um, but the Celtics, you know, they went small at times because Daniel Tice was in foul trouble. So was Robert Williams. I, Gordon Hayward went down, which is a tough blow for them. But at the same time, you know, they got away at times with, you know, playing Brown, Tatum, Walker, Hayward, and Smart all, all on the floor together, mm-hmm. guarding against Embiid. In the first quarter, Embiid finished with 12 points, which was a career high in a quarter for him. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be a long game for the Celtics. They're, you know, That's they're going to go back. Yeah, they, he drifted out further and further as the game went on, and it got me thinking, and I know this is long-winded, so hold on with me. Brett Brown is the, is the Jason Garrett of, of uh, NBA coaches. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Because as soon as Joel Embiid got in a groove, got in a low post, the first possession of the game was an Embiid post-up against Daniel Tyson. He got points out of it. Yep. Reminded me of Ezekiel Elliott finally getting touches to start the game. He gets, you know, 60 yards in, the, in, you know, the first quarter. And then they have Dak throwing the ball, specifically against the Patriots in that one game I saw. Dak, who couldn't really grip the ball, is throwing to Matt, Michael Gallup more than he is handing off to Zeke. That just didn't make any sense to me. Sorry for that uh, comparison. There, no, but I think that's, I that's think a, a phenomenal comparison. That's a phenomenal that's, comparison. You're, you're right on point with that, Jason. They went away from their strength. And ultimately, they only lost by eight. But the, the bench really showed up for them. Alec Burks was, was kind of a scrappy guy out there. Tobias Harris filled up the stat sheet. But they got more yep. depth production than I thought they would. And, you know, it was a tighter game than I thought. Yeah, there were I thought the same thing. Go ahead. There were a couple tight games yesterday. Uh, what do you guys think about the uh, Jazz Nuggets game? My biggest takeaway, I mean, I know that they lost the game, but Donovan Mitchell is special, man. That guy can ball. His ceiling, at his ceiling, he could be Kobe Bryant. He could. Listen, I'm saying his ceiling. I mean, the guy can he was scoring at will. Threes, bankers, in the lane, to the hoop, everything. This guy had everything going for him. It it was just it was just a, a virtuoso performance. I mean, unfortunately, you know, the Denver Nuggets got hot. I mean, Jamal Murray down the stretch had thirty three points and he was clutch in the fourth quarter in overtime. And I think that that put the game away for Denver, but Utah should definitely have a good feeling about the future of this franchise. Cause if, as long as they keep that young core together, they're fine. Yeah, Ben, I'm, I'm really glad you just brought up Jamal Murray. Cause I think he's getting uh he's getting lost in all of this. Cause down the stretch of that great. game in the fourth quarter, he was matching Donovan Mitchell shot for shot. The two of them were yep. just kind of going at each other. Just like, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And just, it was Awesome. And, you know, they were defending each other for most of the, of the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I just want to give props to Jamal Murray because, again, as great as he played, it's unfortunate because Donovan Mitchell just overshadowed him. Of course, you score 57 points in a playoff game, you're the lead story. But just want to give props to, Donovan, uh, to, Jamal, to Jamal Murray there because he played fantastic yep. as well. What did you guys think of Kristaps uh, Porzingis getting ejected last night? Jason? I thought that if – this might be a stretch, but if he didn't get ejected – Dallas is kind of winning that game. D- Dallas was on fire in the first half, really took it to the Clippers, who were kind of taken aback by it. I thought it was kind of a soft ejection. I thought both technicals were, you know, unwarranted kind of. I-, I-, I guess I could see the second one where, like, it was an issue between Morris and Doncic, and Doncic took exception to a kind of a grab by Morris, and then Porzingis kind of intervened and was like, hey, 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 you know, no need to escalate things. 
I guess I could see that one. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't really like it. Yeah, me neither. It was. It just seemed. It just seemed like you said. It just seemed like a soft. It was. It was cheap. It was a cheap technical. And in a playoff game, I understand maybe in the regular season, you know, it's a meaningless game and they're kind of getting chippy, just you know, whatever. But I mean, it's a playoff game. It, there was no. I mean, maybe there were some words exchanged, but it was nothing really violent. Just some kind of light shoving, and. You know, the ref just, you know, got a little too carried away, I think. I think, you know, you got to keep those guys in the game. It's, I mean, even Doc Rivers at the end of the game said he would have liked to see Porzingis out there just because it's, he, they, we want to, as fans and as, you know, lovers of the sport, like we want to see both teams at full strength. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an overreaction by the referees. Uh, Luca and Marcus Morris, they, they were cool with each other after things calmed down and, it was just two very competitive guys going at each other in the playoffs, and that's not a big deal. That's exactly what you want in playoff basketball. I, I think Porzingis did come in a little bit hot, though. Like, he kind of ran across the court to intervene, and I get it. He's sticking up for his teammate. That's exactly what he's supposed to do. So I, it, But, it, yeah, it was an overreaction. No one really got hurt. Things were fine afterwards. I don't know. It, it's just unfortunate. You know, it was the second tech of the game. The refs are, you know, that's the rule. You get, you get two techs, you, uh, you're ejected. But overreaction, absolutely, by the referees. And, and two guys in their playoff debuts really showed out. Um, we talked about Luca in, in the beginning, but Porzingis was kind of that, the difference maker, really. I mean, at 7-3, the Clippers don't really have a matchup for him. You can just – Montrezl Harrell's like 6-7, six, 6-8. Six, Porzingis is standing 7-3 and can shoot it. Yep. So he's kind of the caveat for Dallas. Um, they don't really have much – defense to their, to their name. Um, but if Luca and Porzingis play like they did yesterday, I give Dallas a shot to, you know, compete and make their, you know, put their stamp on this series. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell played his first NBA minutes last night since the, the pandemic hit. Yeah. Good point. And he, he looked a little rusty. I'm not going to lie. He looked a little rusty. That's something to look at, you know, going down the stretch. I think Doc Rivers is going to play him a little more. He only played him like 15 minutes, but, you know, maybe the minutes will be adjusted, but he looked rusty, and that's one of their primary bench guys that, you know, you want to see production out of. So I would look at Harrell in the coming games. Yeah, Dallas looked better than I I gave him credit for. That game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. Jason, I think you were right when you said last week that Dallas is going to play loose. They're kind of just playing with, you know, they have nothing to lose. Type of thing because again they're going up because of juggernaut in the Clippers. Uh, you have to defend Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, and we're young. We got nothing to lose. Let's go out there and ball and see what happens. And I think that's sort of the attitude the Dallas Mavericks have right now. So maybe you're right. The series might go seven. I still might. I'm still saying five. Last night was one game. Uh, the Clippers, you know, they won. But if Dallas kind of maintains that mentality and that attitude for the rest of the series, yeah, you're right. It might go seven. And that surrounding cast is kind of slept on. I mean, uh, Trey Burke was, you know, picked up. He was on the free agent market and got picked up in July. He, nobody, t- no team really wanted him. And now he's, I know he's not really a big scorer, but he played impactful minutes for them. Um, Seth Curry can certainly, you know, shoot it from the outside. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I know uh, he's kind of been the butt of a lot of jokes over the past couple of years, um, being such a high draft pick and really doing nothing in the league so far. He, he had a spot of three. So, you know, this Dallas surrounding cast, we can say all we want that, you know, they're going to be overmatched in this series, which I personally think star power for star power, I think they are. That surrounding cast, if they fill in the blanks for Dallas, 
what, what did I say last week that it's going to be Clippers and six or seven? I, I forget exactly. You said Clippers and seven, I think. But it's going to, I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, it could go there. <laughs> You're not even sure of your own take now. <laughs> well, I, I forget what I said. It's been a, it's been a wild week. All I right, mean, so I, I hear you, though. What, what's something you guys are going to be watching for in the games on tap today? Damian Lillard. Is, is Portland out of gas? Because ultimately, CJ's got a, got a fracture in his back. Nurkic has, a, has been playing with a heavy heart. It, can Melo guard LeBron? I think Portland has so many question marks to them. Can Damian Lillard kind of carry them? Is, is, that, is that possible against a LeBron-led team? But LeBron rarely loses in the first round. I think, I think Portland, even though they're a hot team, they, they had to play a game to get into the playoffs. Or are they just out of gas? I think that's a, you know, a point of emphasis to keep an eye on. I'm right along with you there. I agree 100%. You're right. LeBron is not used to losing in the first round. And, you know, he hasn't really faced a, an opponent like this in the first round in a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a big test for LeBron and the Lakers. And, you know, the Lakers are kind of, you know, they have the one seed, but it's kind of a who's the best team in the West, you know, like, is it the Clippers? Is it the Lakers? You know, I still think it's the Lakers, but by a hair. But we finally get to see this LeBron-AD tandem in the playoffs because we still haven't seen that yet. And to your point, are the Blazers out of gas? Is Carmelo Anthony still that guy, which I think he is, he clearly showed in the past games that he is that guy when it comes to clutch shots late in the game. You know, is Dame going to keep doing his thing? And CJ McCollum, as you said, with the, the spinal injury, like a lot of question marks, but um, I'm going to be glued to that TV. And it's just going to be an interesting series. I think, you know, if anyone's going to upset the Lakers in these playoffs, it's going to be the Blazers. Yeah, that'll be a great game to watch. I'll definitely be watching it. But there's there's one thing I'm I'm looking forward to more than uh Blazers Lakers today. And that's I want to see Aaron Gordon get dunked on. That's all I want to see. That's all I care about. Get posterized by Giannis hard in the face. That's all I want. And that's it. Cuz Aaron Gordon going to get blown out. Aaron Gordon does not deserve to be in the league if all he cares about is the dunk contest. And that's all I'll say. That's what I'm looking forward to today. For a guy that doesn't take the dunk contest seriously, he really hasn't let this go. Like <laughs> <laughs> the dunk contest Andrew. doesn't mean anything. We took we took a whole segment back in February about how this doesn't matter, but somehow it's lingered into August. You know, it, meant, it seems like it means matter. It matters more to you than it matters to. Oh me. no, I don't care about the dunk contest. I just care about Aaron Gordon getting put in his place. That's what I care about. Is he's irrelevant outside of the dunk contest? I mean, they're going to lose by thirty anyway. So Good. like, and, is I, that and a- I hope. And I hope it's because Giannis just stuffs on Aaron Gordon a hundred times. That's all, all right, I want to see. We're, we're pressed on time, but I would like to extend a little, uh, a little bet thing here. Because this is kind of like Cleveland and me right here. This is a, this is a relationship that I want to, you know. An ongoing you know, feud, yeah. If, or, if Orlando wins this series, uh, Andrew gets a custom Aaron Gordon jersey. Yes. Fine, because there's no way that happens. I'll all take right. that. I'll <laughs> take that right now. Awesome. There's bet no way. Made. Yes. yes. What do like... In the There's unlikely no event that, that that happens. Yeah. All right. Coming up next after the break, we're going to get into Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, and the MLB unwritten rules. Uh, oh, what do we think about them? What a, Just a, a bad look, a bad situation for Major League Baseball. We'll get into that next here on The Final Call. 
This is in oh. the air to right field. Back it goes. Nando has done it again. Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. And the Padres go on top 14 to 3. Two home runs, seven RBIs for Fernando Tatis Jr. That was the call from Don Orsillo, who I miss greatly. I miss that man so much. Same. Oh, my gosh. But Don Orsillo of Fox Sports San Diego with the call of Fernando Tatis Jr.'s home run in the eighth inning. Not just a home run, a grand slam in the eighth inning. They made a score 14-3 to over the Texas Rangers. And somehow, someway, he's the villain in all this. And I, I don't Break understand how. Us, Andrew. This is just another example of Major League Baseball not getting it. They just don't get it. They don't get that their sport is dying. No one, and I mean no one, watches baseball outside of the 65-plus demographic. Nobody. Right? And Andrew Fantuccio. And Jason, but we're... <laughs> we're, we're but still. Have you, have you a scorecard hate, already for tonight, Andrew? I do sometimes score games. <laughs> yeah. just, just when I'm really bored. But... Still, because we love the sport, but there's no one under the age. There's no casual fans for baseball, is what I'm saying. And this is why. They have, they have a dynamic, young player who's going to be a star in this sport. And frankly, he is in Fernando Tatis Jr. He had a monster game last night, including two home runs, one of them a grand slam, and seven RBIs. The most ex- he hits a grand slam, the most exciting play in sports, and he's criticized for it? How does that make any sense? Why is no one criticizing the Texas Rangers for giving up 14 runs in a game? No. We need to chastise a 21-year-old who's the hottest player in the game outside of Mike Trout for breaking unwritten rule and trying to make baseball fun for once. I don't get it. Someone explain this to me. I really don't get it anymore because baseball just continues to fall on their face and kill themselves. I don't get it. Can one of you explain it to me, Jason? Nope. I, I can't explain it. I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, if you don't want Fernando Tatis Jr. to hit a grand slam off you, first of all, don't load the bases. Second of all, don't make the count 3-0. And second of all, don't throw a terrible pitch right down the middle at 92 miles an hour. That, that's, that, that's a you problem. And, and this kind of reminded me, you guys certainly remember, I think it was five or so years ago, that Jose Bautista hit one of the most iconic home runs in oh, history, I'd say. Remember the that? The pop from that Toronto crowd in that, in that game was insane when he hit yep. that home run and the bat flip oh game five against the rangers i remember it oh dearly. that's like sports porn <laughs> remember when he did the, the bat <laughs> oh it was awesome i know you're talking oh no, I, i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about yeah, it It was the bat great. flip heard around the world yeah it was awesome anyway to bring us back to the main point sam dyson after the game was like oh you gotta you gotta calm that down you know kids are watching this guy you know what, what's he playing wiffle ball out here this is not how you play our game you make our money you make our game good or whatever and it was just like that's a you problem don't take that on on batista he had a human reaction and, and this goes to show andrew this proves your point baseball hasn't evolved we've had this outbreak five years ago grow up you know evolve the game it just makes me angry how baseball's so stuck in his ways. Like basketball allows, you know, celebration. NFL does too. MLS, you, you slide across the grass with your shirt off and nobody has a problem with it. Baseball right. throw up. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. And to a sport that 
we keep harping on, you know, they're coming off of one of the worst scandals in history. Okay. This is the season where you should just put all that crap behind you. Go forward. Try to put an awesome product out there for fans, especially young fans, to like grasp onto and fall in love with. And what is wrong? Please, someone tell me what is wrong with celebrating for the bat flip thing. What is wrong with running it up the score? Hurts the other team's feelings. Yeah, bull, bull jive. Okay. <laughs> no, you're you're a complete. You're okay. under hey, the Patriots run up the score against every team. It, you know, the uh, the Warriors are running up the score against every team. People still watch that. People still love it. It's like there's nothing wrong with swinging at a 3-0 pitch and just going yard on it. There's nothing wrong with that. And the fact that the manager came out at the end of the game and said, oh, I'd rather him take a strike than swing for the fences, that is just – that looks so bad on him. That just looks yep. like you're not you're – not, that's a losing mentality right there. So I was going to say, yeah, like why aren't we criticizing the Rangers for just sucking? Why aren't we criticizing them? You know why? Because I think more criticism should fall on Padres manager Jace Tingler for what he said about the situation after the game, Ben, you just alluded to. And we got the sound for you right here. Probably starts with just, you know, picking up the sign. I think like the, the, the learning opportunity. And, and just so you know, uh, a lot of our guys have green light, you know, 3-0. Um, but, you know, in this game in particular, um, you know, we, we had a, a little bit of a comfortable lead and, you know, we're, we're not trying to, um, you know, run up the score or anything like that. And so, uh, you know, put on the, the, the take sign and, and um, you know, probably, probably see a strike right there. If I'm Fernando Tatis Jr., I'm asking for a trade right now. After hearing that, how his own manager is upset because he swung in a fastball over the middle of the plate in a 3-0 count with the bases loaded and then hit it to the moon. That home run was a blast. And I, if I can recollect, that's the exact situation where you're supposed to swing away. 3-0 count, bases loaded. You know a fastball's coming. Swing at that. Right. And the manager, <laughs> his own manager, is upset about it. How... How could you have any confidence in your coach after after he said something like that? I am sure Jace Tangler just lost the entire Padres clubhouse after those comments. Because that is, how can you not stick up for your own player? That is terrible. Halfway through the comments, that is terrible. Yeah, and let me just like picture yourself in the shoes of Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay, you go to the dugout, you're high fiving. You know, grand slam is a big deal in baseball. You're high fiving. Your teammates are like, yeah, awesome. You go up to your manager and he's like, you know what? That's uh, That wasn't okay. What you just did there was not okay. And you should have taken a strike there. I would have laughed in his face. I would have been like, are you kidding me? I just went yard and you're telling me that I did the wrong thing? That doesn't make sense to me. The this object the of league. the game... Yeah, the There's object no of the game is to like hit the ball and get on base or hit home runs. Like, what? What are we doing? The object of the game is not to take strikes. I, I don't understand. There is no mercy rule in professional sports. Plus, for a San Diego team trying to find their way into the playoffs, what, what if that one at bat was Fernando Tatis's, you know, momentum builder? What if, what if that sparks a 10-game hit streak? Does Tinkler not want that? Does, for, Tatis Jr. is already one of the hottest players in baseball right now. He leads the league in home runs, and you want him to just not keep adding on? You don't want him to just... That's like, right, I know, I know what you're saying. I just want to, like... I'm I'm just trying to say like 
What if this gets it started? He's already started. He's in the middle of it. That's what I'm saying. But continue. Sorry. But what if this keeps it going for a San Diego team who yeah. we didn't think was kind of an upper echelon team in, in Major League Baseball? We were just kind of like, yeah, maybe they'll squeak into a last, you know, a final playoff spot. But a lot of their runs depend from Fernando Tatis. And if he keeps this rolling, I don't want anything to, you know, come in the middle of him and his momentum. It sounds like the only thing that's going to get in between him and his momentum is his own manager. That's really what it sounds like. And I fell asleep halfway through those comments, so I didn't hear the, the, la- the second half of it. But he sounds like a guy that wanted an eighth-place trophy when he was like seven. Like, he, he really clamored for that. You took my point, that he wants, he wants a participation trophy. There's no participation trophies in, in pro sports. I'm sorry. And, and some of this stuff, like, maybe if it was not Fernando Tatis, maybe it was like the eighth hitter, and he, he did the same thing. This stuff kind of depends on contract stuff. If a guy barely making it in the majors clamors one to right field like Fernando Tatis Jr. did, and you know we want to make, keep it consistent, and this happens again, this stuff can you know impact contract stuff. So it's not something to play around with. So you know this has been labeled an unwritten rule in baseball. What do you guys think of that unwritten rules in in, in sports, but specifically in Major League Baseball? Because I, I think personally, these unwritten rules are just one of the biggest things that's killing the game. Yeah, there's it, a ton of them. Go ahead, Jason. It makes the game insular. I'm not a part of the club. What, what are we doing? If it's so important to you, write it down in the book. R- write it down. Don't make it an unwritten rule. You know, if it means that much to you, you know, co- go to the league office and make it an official rule. So, we, like, there's no blurred lines. There's no, oh, I didn't understand. Like, I... Go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> I'm at to, a loss for words. To kind of piggyback off your point, the running up the score thing is an unwritten rule in a lot of sports. Okay. Football is one that comes to mind. Basketball, the same thing. Basketball doesn't play their starters in the fourth quarter. If they're winning by 30, that's just how it works. Right. With that being said, the answer to that would be, well, you have to stop us from scoring, right? You don't just go easy on a team when you're, when you're killing them. If you're kicking their butt, you know, just stamping them, then they have to try and stop you. Don't let them run the score up. Don't just sit there and take it. Like, and to your point, Andrew, we shouldn't. We should be getting on the Rangers right now for giving up fourteen runs. Like, that's on them. Like, that's it. Just it blows my mind that it's like, oh well, if you're if you're kicking our butt, like, please stop, please stop. It's not fair. No, you can. You're a professional team too. Stop us. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if the unwritten rules are the biggest problem. I, I think they fall under the biggest problem, which is in Major League Baseball, which is, you know, the market, marketability of its stars because baseball doesn't do it. The league doesn't market its stars pretty much at all. But then you look at team, leagues like the NFL and the NBA, their players have like personal brands that allow fans to connect with them on a more personal level. Look at guys like J.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, LeBron James. They show their personalities not only on the field or court, but through social media as well. I, I feel like just baseball players, they're just cookie cutters. You know, they're all just the same person, same player. They don't show any attitude, no emotion out the field. The game's not exciting because of it. You know, fans can't really differentiate from one player to another almost because none of them show who they really are. MLB, I think, is don't squander, don't suppress players like Fernando Tatis Jr. You need more guys like this. He's a young, dynamic, he's 21 years old. He's already one of the best players in your sport. Don't silence him. Uh, I hate it. I really hate it. It's just something that's killing baseball. It's tough. Tough to see for sure. 
really is. So at the top of the show, I said that this would be an historic show uh, episode of Final Call, and it is. And that's because we're going to do our first official hockey segment coming up next here on the Final Call. <laughs> Radio this segment of the final call is brought to you by the scoreboard time. Show your passion while you're here. So the first official hockey segment in the history of final call. Yeah. Jason, Jason good luck. Yep. Throwing them from my mouth as we speak. Throwing up as a nervous or throwing up like you don't want to talk hockey. Combination of both. All right. Well, <laughs> so, luckily Ben and I here. So Ben, Tuka Rask. Ugh. Let Tuka me just Rask say. opts out in the middle of a playoff series for the Boston Bruins. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about that, Ben? Let me just start. Let me just preface this by saying I was a hockey player myself back in the day before I was washed up. And I played Kiwi Junior Midget Hockey. Yeah, yeah. I know him. <laughs> yeah, okay. And. So I'm cut from a hockey player's cloth, I guess, is, is, you know what I mean? So with that being said, you are in the NHL. You have all this time throughout the, the seeding games and everything to opt out of playing in this bubble, right? This is, you know, and players have opted out. A bunch of players opted out. You wait until the middle of the playoff series to opt out a day, a day after you say, oh, it doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. And you openly say that it doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. It feels like an exhibition game because there's no fans. You know what that tells me? Tuka Rask isn't in it. He's not bought into this winning mentality. And you know what? I don't care anymore. Whatever. People always, I think people are giving him way too much crap over the Stanley Cup final loss. Andrew, you and I were just... So upset over that. That was just a tough night for us. Game seven of the uh, 2019 finals. But anyway, I just can't believe this guy just quit on the team. He just quit on the team. And you know what? I would honestly, if you ask me who would I rather have, Tuka Rask or Tim Thomas, I would take Tim Thomas every day of the week. I don't care. I'm there. That's where I'm at right now. Tuka Rask has done nothing. Vesna trophies, whatever, this and that, I don't care. You do not quit on your team in the middle of a playoff series, bubble or no bubble. I'm so angry with this man. And you know what? He has cost us way too many games anyway with his poor play. He's just, he can be inconsistent. He's, you know, when he's hot, he's hot. But then like he'll have games where it's just like, what are we doing? You couldn't, you couldn't stop a nosebleed. Like, what are we doing? So, so go ahead. Take it away. I, I agree with you that I think Tuka gets too much flack or too much criticism for a Game 7 last year because, let's, let's be honest, the Bruins fell flat in that, in that game anyways. The, yeah, the entire there was team. A few, it, was, it wasn't just... A few bonehead plays It wasn't by, just Tuka. Yeah. It was a few, it was a few bone, bonehead plays by the forwards. But, like, you know what? <sighs> You're a professional hockey goalie on... Pro, the, is it fair to say that the Bruins were the best talented or the most talented team last year in the Stanley Cup final. Well, I mean, they, they ran into a blues team that kind of ran them out of the building. So, but like talent wise, you know what I mean? No, I, I would they say the best, something. Hey, they had the best starting line in hockey. 
that's one line. The Blues were a much more complete team. Dude. The Blues were a way more complete team than the Bruins are. The Bruins could don't the Bruins don't have any depth scoring. They don't. Who besides on last year's Bruins team, outside of Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron, who could score on that Bruins team? Nobody. There wasn't anybody. Look, the Blues had had depth scoring from the first line down to the fourth line. Every line had someone that can score. So that's but so I would I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say that the Bruins were the more talented team. I think they had the most talented line. They got were they, they got screwed over by the refs in Game Five. Oh, that with Bozak and yes. Yep. Yep. I agree with you there. Anyway, and if that game goes, I don't want to talk about the twenty nineteen finals because I'm just getting PTSD thinking about it. So, but Tuka Rask, just wow, wow. I just I cannot imagine. Imagine an okay. Imagine someone else like uh. I mean, Tuka Rask isn't on the level of like a LeBron James, but like, just imagine someone like, you know, on on a talented, talented title contender team, just opting out in the middle of the play. Like, this wouldn't happen. But like, if if LeBron James opted out to play in the bubble before Game Three against the Blazers, devastating. that's devastating. Imagine you know, Tom Brady opting out before the AFC championship. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? You had all this time to opt out. All right, Ben. I'm just getting really angry. I I know you are. And I'm angry too, but honestly, I I don't really care. I don't care why to, to opt out. I don't care that he opted out. Cause you know what? If he's not interested in trying to win a Stanley cup, if he's, if his mind's elsewhere, if he's focused on his family or whatever else he's focused on, and he's, if he's not focused on winning the Stanley Cup, I don't want him there. Thank the you. NHL playoffs are the most intense postseason in all of sports. It takes an incredible amount of focus and grit to win a championship in that league. Rask didn't show either of those while he was in the bubble. And it just he looked slow. He looked uninterested. His comments after Game 2 against the Hurricanes confirmed that when he said the playoffs were just like felt like an exhibition. So, you know... Whatever Tuka's dealing with, fine. Go do with it. I'd rather have Yaroslav Halak in net for the Bruins, who's looked pretty good so far, so that they can win a Stanley Cup without him. Because if he's not focused, I don't want him there. I want guys who want to compete. I want guys who want to just, you know, I want guys who want to win. I want guys who feel like playing. Tuka Rask isn't that guy right now, so sayonara. And it, this kind of reminded me, I know I'm not a big hockey guy, but this kind of reminded me of Andrew Luck in the preseason kind of retiring right before the season was starting. You know, I, you know, Colts were okay. ready to embark on an AFC kind of streak there, and he retired right before the season. So from that perspective and just from a, from a human perspective, I kind of agree with Andrew. If I'd rather him just come out and admit, I'm not ready to suit up. I'm not mentally here. Like, Ben, you're a Bruins fan. Would you yeah. rather Rast to just be kind of in another place and just – not focused or driven, or would you rather him just right. go out and say no? Ex- exactly, and that's that was my point that I meant to say earlier. What it was was he got to the playoffs, realized it wasn't a playoff atmosphere. He didn't feel comfortable. He decided he had to get out. That's basically what it was. But the timing couldn't have been worse. It just couldn't have. Like at least with Andrew Luck, it was before the season started. This is in the middle of a playoff series. Unbelievable. Yeah, but. Uh- I would much rather Rask have said something now rather than just try to fake his way through the postseason and then ultimately, you know, cost the Bruins a title. I would much rather this. 
I mean, it sucks. He abandoned. It sucks. He abandoned his team, but you know, he felt like he thought he could do it. Obviously, he can't. So fine, go. I we have Yaroslav Halak, uh, who's a solid backup. Can, honestly, he can start on twenty five other teams in the NHL, no problem. I agree. So I'm fine with Tukaras opting out. If he doesn't want to play, I don't. I don't want him there. The problem is though, they don't have a backup necessarily. I mean, Dan Vladar hasn't really played much hockey for them. So. <laughs> Why are you Jason, I'm. So, I know. I'm not. I'm not, I'm just proud of you. Oh, I'm. I'm like. I'm filled with joy because you have a hockey take. He said you wouldn't even say any more than any more than four words. Yeah. I yeah, love I, it. I, my my notes really uh, kicked in, but he hasn't suited up for an uh, an NHL hockey game. He hasn't. This, this is a real <laughs> NHL on the fly going on right now. On the fly, I've been prepared for weeks. Baby. <laughs> so, so you say Dan Vladar. And the Bruins, you know, not ha- not having a solid backup behind Halak. Do you think not having Tuukka Rask is, is something that's going to cost the Bruins a cup? Do you think they can win without uh, tu- without Tuukka Rask? Because I, I say yes. They I were say the best, yes too. They're the best team in hockey during the regular season, and they have the veteran leadership and playoff experience to get back to the stuff, back to the Stanley Cup final this year. But even without Rask, they've looked a million times better in these last two games since Rask left, and they're I think they're rallying in front of Yaroslav Halak. I think Rask leaving kind of galvanized this team. Yeah, and kind of a a non-intentional side effect to that is how are the players going to react when Rask comes back? I mean, how do how do other players in that locker room feel about him leaving? Cuz I know if if I if that was me, if I was in that locker room, I wouldn't be too thrilled about that. I mean, that's just me. I'd be like, why is my starting goalie opting out right now. I mean, why isn't he bought in? Like, I understand if if he just wasn't in the right mindset, but like, dude, you're getting I mean, paid. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter why he's opting out. I think if, if he's not in it, fine, go. We'll win without you because I'd rather... If, if you're not interested in playing hockey, if you're not interested in winning a championship, you shouldn't be playing. I agree, but I guess my... Doesn't matter what he, it doesn't matter what he's, what's distracting him. Well, no, because let's say, you know, let's say, God forbid, one of his relatives contracted COVID or there was some other, you know, family emergency or some health emergency or something and he opts out. I completely understand. I support him 100%. But to just opt out because you your mind wasn't in it and you're, you just, you couldn't buy into the playoff atmosphere, that just to me is, you're a professional athlete. That's what you're paid to do. Come well, on. the Bruins released the Bruins released a statement saying that it was because he was away from his family. That's so, and I'm, I'm I'm not tearing him if it was for his family or whatever. I don't care why he opted out. It really doesn't matter to me. If he's not focused on playing hockey, if he's not focused on winning a championship, he shouldn't be out there playing. Do you think and it's you, a little it, bit of a coincidence that the statement came out a day after he made those comments about not feeling comfortable playing in this atmosphere? No, it's I I, I think it's it it is it's not a coincidence. Is what I'm saying. Exactly, but for, but for whatever reason, I I could care less what the reason is. Is what I'm saying. If it's his family, if it's he's just not, I'm glad he said something and got out rather than trying to fake his way through it. Because ultimately, he would have cost the Bruins a title if he did. Yeah, but you you you, bet, you mentioned what happens when when Tuka returns, or if he does, because the NHL and NHL PA approved a plan yesterday to allow teams to have family members in the bubble for the conference and Stanley Cup Finals. Do you think Tuka will try to come back? Should the Bruins even let him? No, because that's not why he left the bubble. Because he left the bubble because it wasn't a playoff atmosphere and he didn't feel comfortable in the, you know, playing in an empty stadium. That's just the bottom line. 
So if his family is allowed back, then yeah, he should. If he really is, if he left for his family, then I expect him to come back. But I don't think he left for his family. I just don't. I have a question. And I know this is off the cuff and we didn't have this prepared. But in terms of a teammate's response, if you're in that locker room, do you look, do you have, do you approach it differently if you win or lose? So for example, like, are you bitter towards him if you, you know, win without him and you go, ah, in your face, we didn't need you anyway. Or would you go the route if, if you lost, like, would you be like, oh, you cost us a, I won a, a chance at a Stanley Cup. Which way would you approach it? I'd be indifferent whether or not Tuca's there and they win or Tuca's. I don't think it really matters. Tuca's not there. They'll win on their. They'll win or lose on their own accord. They have a good backup. Again, Yorosov Halak is a goalie who could easily be a starter on twenty-five other teams in the NHL. No problem. I think if they win, if they win, it'll be kind kind of like we didn't need you. We still won. If they lose, it's you cost us a, a, a championship. Yeah. I, I think the Bruins are more professional than that. I think they'll I think they'll just sort of just like I'm talking from indif- a fan. I'm talking from like a fan's perspective. Oh from right. my perspective, I'm I'd be indifferent. I would just like you're not there. you and, and also if they if they do win the Stanley Cup and uh, oh, please I, I want that more I want that more than Aaron Gordon getting dunked on. That's one thing I want more than Aaron Gordon getting dunked on. That's what I want to Bruins Stanley Cup. Amen. But if if they win without Tuka, great. But I don't want Tuka getting a ring. You opted out of the playoffs. You shouldn't get a. You should not get a cup ring. Your name should right. not be put on the Stanley Cup. And if he does come back for whatever, if, if the if the Bruins let him come back, whether it's later on the playoffs or if it's you know just next year, he should not be the starter. I don't care what reason is. That's kind that, of petty. No, he he shouldn't be the starter. He shouldn't be. You know why? Because that that's not a reserved position. He gave that up by opting out. He gave up that. It's not. That's not his job, right? He should absolutely not be the starter. He should ride the bench, back up Halak if he comes back next year. And actually, if he comes back next year, I think the Brewers should trade him. I'm not totally against that, surprisingly. So you know why? Tukarask has one year left on his contract. Next year at $7 million, right? They just signed Yoroslav Halak to an extension to play for one more year. Why not trade Rask? Why not trade Tukarask? For another defenseman to put next to Charlie McAvoy, because we all know Zdeno Chara is yes. forty-three years old. Oh my God, let me is, get in this. Is <laughs> because Zdeno Chara is absolutely ancient and let's. McAvoy is made up for. McAvoy might be the best player on the Bruins right now. He might be because he's looked awesome in these playoffs so far. But trade tr- trade Tukaras, see if you can get another top line defenseman to put on that to put on that starting D pair, and especially trade Rask if you don't re-sign Tory Krug. If Tory Krug leaves in free agency, they should absolutely 110% look to trade Tuka Rask. Yeah. And to kind of back up your point, if Yaro Halak just snaps this postseason and goes off, let's, let's say, let's, even if they win the cup, if they win the cup or not, if they make the final, or if, you know, if he just shows out, okay, and it just puts the team on his back. I think it's very safe to say that Tuka's not the starter next year. Why not roll with Halak? I mean, he just carried you through the playoffs. You know what I mean? And I would not be opposed to the fact... I mean, you could get assets for Tuka. Okay? I mean, you could. And you I, could. I was thinking more just... Like, uh, 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 I was thinking just a player-for-player player swap type of thing. That's, well, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You could, get, you could get a good return. 
Okay, well, I was just saying, you know, trade trade Rass if you can get a, a, a starting defenseman. Otherwise, that's it. I just – the bottom line is I just – I cannot fathom a professional athlete not playing in the playoffs because it doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. I just – that that just completely makes my blood boil. And if it's really about family, then he should come back because they're allowing family in the bubble. So – if they allow him back, the Bruins are soft. Andrew, are, are you going to be like, what, what if Halak goes the other way, Ben, and Halak just lets in everything that he lays eyes on? Like, what, are you going to be that, I'm going to call it petty, but it could be like, you know, are you going to be that coarse in your actions and, you know, be that tough nose towards Rask if, if Halak really stinks it up? For me, it's more, then it becomes a competition for the starting job. It's not. I just. I wouldn't give it to Tuca outright. I wouldn't say he automatically comes back and he automatically gets to take the job. I, I wouldn't give it to Halak right away because Rask lost it. I would. I would much more opt towards a competition, like you're saying. Right. Yeah, I would if, 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 if Halak, you know, just is an absolute, just you know, craps his pants in the playoffs this year, then it becomes more of a competition. If Rask comes back, you know what I mean. But if if Rask play if Halak plays well, then there's no way I'm giving Rask the job. Right. There's no way. Tuka Rask gave up his job, gave up his starting position for whatever reason, and I I don't care what it is. I really don't. But if if you walk away, you are you are you are relinquishing that job. No one voted you there, right? No one automatically. This that is not his job. It's not etched in stone. He it's not reserved for Tuka Rask. He gave it up. And he's going to have to fight for it to get it back. I think, well, because, again, I think if it was, I think the reason does matter. I really do. Because if he left for a very serious issue, like a family member getting sick or, you know, an emergency of some sort, then that's totally fine. I get it. You have to do what you have to do for your family. But if you're leaving because you do not feel comfortable in a playoff atmosphere, like, you're, that that's just that's giving up your job. That's relinquishing your job, and to me, that there's no other. That's like one of the worst sins in professional sports is to just give up on your team. And it is not a coincidence that the statement was released a day after he was in that press conference and said that he doesn't fe- he doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. It's it's because he left the bubble because he his mind was not in the playoff mindset. And it didn't feel like a playoff atmosphere, and he just couldn't do it. And he basically just said, "You know what? This doesn't feel like a real season anyway. I'm just gonna this this season doesn't count. Forget about it. Wait till next year." And that's his mentality. And I hate that. That is just not how. That's not how you should be. That's not how you should be handling it. Don't you kind of feel in, indebted, in, embedded in Rask though? I mean, he after Tim Thomas kind of fell off the earth, and didn't he kind of? I mean, he spent several years here. This isn't just like a new guy on the street. Like he spent years here, you know. Like, yeah, but he's not. To, but he's not. What Tom has he done? Brady. Yeah, right? what has exactly. He, done? He, he hasn't accomplished anything. Oh, did I say Tom Brady? I meant Tim Thomas. Excuse no, me. No, I know you. You did say Tim Thomas. Oh, what I'm okay. saying is, like, after Tom Brady's suspension from Deflategate, right? We all know he was going to be the starter, right? Because he's he had won what five Super Bowls up to that point? Six, four. four? He won mm-hmm. four Super Bowls up to that point, right? He was already the greatest Couple quarterback. MVPs. He yep. was already the greatest quarterback to ever play that game. Tukarask has nowhere near that type of resume. Nowhere near that type of resume. 
I think he has a Vesna, which is best goalie he, in the he, league. But like he has a Vesna, he he won but, the Vesna in twenty thirteen fourteen. But even still, still no. What no, has he, he done? But Tom, also Tom Brady didn't walk away. Tom Brady yeah. didn't willingly give it up. Tuka Rask sort of looked, you know, kind of looked at the situation and said, "I'm going to give this up." He gave up his job, and that's fine. If he if he's not into it, I don't. I really don't care, and I'm not happy or mad at him that he left. I I don't care. I'm mad. But if he, and I'm not. I know happy. you are. I know you are. I can tell. But if he comes back and he says, but I, I'm the starter. No, you're not. That's when I'll be mad. But as for the Bruins now, they look really good. They had a great win last night. They came back from being down 2-0 in the third period and scored four goals in the span of like five minutes after a massive hit by Charlie McAvoy and Jordan Stahl. Oh, I'm, man. He just stamped them. Oh, it was awesome. Jason, I really hope this has inspired you to watch more hockey, by the way. I really hope the segment has, because you're doing better. You're doing better than I thought you would in the segment. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't I mean, that might be a reach if I watch more. Watch Jason, some but, more hockey, because I want to talk this more pan- hockey. Jason, when this pandemic's over, we're taking you to a Bruins game so you can understand. Yes. I mean, I'm just, I'm just familiar with the, like, the Bruins team. Like, if we talked about the Calgary Flames, I couldn't name, like... Hey. If there's a, Two players in the I, I would love to open Final Call up to more hockey because this is the first official hockey segment in the history of Final Call, and I think it's gone pretty well. Me too. I think I, it's gone amazingly. Excellent. Stupendous. We talked about the Bruins, though. Wonderful. I could talk, <laughs> I could talk about any team in the NHL. I mean, I have, an, a, I, I have a personal love of the Bruins, and I will not hide that. I love the Boston Bruins. Same. I get. I'm very animated when I watch Bruins games, but I can easily talk hockey about any team in the NHL. But that's all the time we have for the final call here today. Make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Final Call MCC for Jason Snow for Ben Memorandis. I'm Andrew Fantuccio. This has been the final call on Radio Massasoit. <laughs> Must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. <laughs>